Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast with Bryce Johnson. It's a show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Enjoy inspiring conversations and thought-provoking interviews. You'll hear stories from people that will inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Now, from the Unpacking It studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, uniting sports fans everywhere, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast. I'm Bryce Johnson. It's the show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Today on the show, we are joined by pro baseball player Tim Dillard. He's been a pitcher in the pros since 2003. He spent time with the Milwaukee Brewers and in the Texas Rangers organization. Last year, he played with the Nashville Sounds, a a AAA team, uh, of course, in Nashville, which is where he lives with his family and this podcast today it might be the best combination that we've had in regards to humor and just kind of a the, the comedy side of things as well as deep faith discussions and and real awesome spiritual insight and and just the transparency that that Tim uh, demonstrates is really cool and so stick around at the end of the show I'll also talk a little bit about that, but I think you're really, really going to enjoy Tim, and he's an interesting guy and just a little bit different, even from you know guys that I normally interview, and so there was a part of me that was challenged by it. I had to feed off of him, feed off of his humor and his energy and a little bit kind of maybe even a dry sense of humor at, at times, and so it's uh, it's a lot of fun, though, and so I think you'll love it. He's uh, he's well known, really, for his hilarious social media content that you can find on Dim Tillard. So at Dim Tillard, uh, especially on Twitter, and he I think he's on every social network, but uh, but Twitter especially at Dim Tillard, and he does these videos with his teammates. We'll talk about that during the show as well. Before we jump in, let me ask you this. Do you need to get your own health insurance? Well, go to healthmarketgenius.com. Know your options. Go to healthmarketgenius.com. Support them as they support us. Also, be sure to check out the Audible Minute, which is found in our podcast stream. And that is hosted by Nate Sally. And it's presented by Paradigm 360 coaching and consulting also you can check out our website unpackingit.com and i always enjoy hearing from you you can email me bryce at unpackingit.com so here's what we're going to do we're going to jump into the conversation with tim dillard then i'm going to wrap up the first part and give you some 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 response and, and feedback based on what we discussed then stick around because after that we've got bonus content Tim stuck around, we talked even more, we kept recording, and we're sharing it with you today. So here we go, it's the Unpacking It Podcast. Intriguing guests and inspiring conversations, this is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson.
And joining us right now on the Unpacking It podcast is pitcher Tim Dillard joining us here from Nashville. Tim, thanks so much for being with us. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Um, I'm doing awesome, and, and I want to talk about Nashville in a little bit because it's one of my favorite cities, uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. But the, the fact that we've been quarantined for the, the past couple of months, how have you and the family been doing? What, what's the experience been like for you guys? Yeah, I mean, we're all we're just angry at each other all the time. Uh, we <laughs> yell constantly, and <laughs> yep. Uh, no, we've been making it. For me, this is. I mean, it kind of feels like the off season for me because playing baseball, I'll be gone for you know traveling seven or eight months, and then when I come home, I don't like to go anywhere, so I stay close to home. So that's kind of that's kind of what I'm doing anyway. <laughs> yeah, have you? Um maybe taking advantage of some of the extra time or what has that been like? Just having extra oh, sure. free time. Sure. Yeah. I have uh right now I got, this is a sanitary sock, you know, like you wear a sock in baseball, like <laughs> underneath the stirrups. It's holding my hair back. Cause I've been painting. Oh. I'm not a very handy person. I'm not a handysman, but I, uh, I've knocked out drywall and I've painted and I've built some stuff and, Anyway, <laughs> that's great. What what are you? It's pa- all really bad, but, <laughs> but I've tried. What are you painting? What are you building? Uh, well, as soon as we got the order of like can't leave your house or whatever, you know, like um, two months ago, or whatever, um, we have this closet next to the stairs, and I theorized that if I knocked the wall out, it would go back behind the stairs, and we could use it for like a little nook. Ooh. And uh, so I I took a hammer to the drywall. Turns out I was kind of right. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it took me a, over a month to do it because I would do it for like, you know, mess with drywall for an hour and then I was over it for like uh-huh. three days. And but yeah, it's kind of finished. What what was your uh, wife's response to it all? Because whenever I try projects and I don't do them right, I never hear the end of it. It's tough. Well, I kind of wanted to do it for a while and uh, she was never on board. She's like, why? Who cares? And then she gave me the green light. So she was like, hey, you think we should knock that wall out? And I just stood up. I walked, got a hammer, went straight there. I love it. And then just ripped a hole in it. Uh, but there were some there was some studs in there. I had to cut those out. So if you come over and you're going up the stairs, be careful. That's that's awesome. <laughs> I love it. Hey, well at least you you uh you went for it and uh you, you took the time to to do it. Um so what what about kids? How many kids do you have and, and how have they been doing through all this? I got three kids. Um Brooks is 11, Cameron is 9, and Hayes is 4. And so my youngest, Hayes, uh, he has no idea what's going on. Uh, <laughs> but the older two, they're just like, yeah, no school. And <laughs> yep. so just like you know me, I, they have different projects. You know, They're building stuff or whatever they're doing. And they're outside riding bikes and scooters. And I mean, it feels a little bit like the summertime when I was growing up mm. as a kid, you know, where it's you know good weather and you got nothing to do and you just go out and ride your bike through the neighborhood. And I feel like... Maybe people don't really do that anymore, and this kind of quarantining thing kind of put that back on the map. Absolutely. No, I think there's been a lot of advantages and and positives in that regard, uh, for sure. Well, what about for you baseball-wise, you know, last year being with the the Nashville Sound and now kind of in limbo wondering, all right, when's the season starting and where, where where does that leave you? What has the communication level been like? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just unemployed right now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I don't have any other skills. I told you how bad the closet (laughs) I did. Um, I don't know. I don't know what's next. Uh, it sounds like MLB baseball is trying to, you know, do something. 
sometime. I don't know. I'm just kind of being patient. I stay in shape a little bit. Uh, not really. I had Pez and chips for lunch. <laughs> uh, had to eat something quick, and I was in the, one of the kids' room painting. So Glad to hear Pez are still around. That's awesome. Yeah, well, it had a giant Pez dispenser, and, and uh, had like it, instead of dispensing the little Pez, it has like dispenses like the whole thing. Ooh. And somehow he hasn't eaten them all, so I did. <laughs> that's that's a, a good, healthy Man. lunch. So when I see him again, this is going to be weird. <laughs> oh, that's great. I love it. But so, you, but you have been practicing a little bit, or, or what does that look like? Yeah, yeah. Just in case you know something happens, because um, minor league baseball, I've heard is is not even a priority right now. Yeah. Uh, they said if a season happens, it'll be like September wow. uh, before something like that happens, which is crazy. Um, I don't, I don't know all the repercussions of that. I don't even want to think about it. Sure. Um, but the they're toying around with the idea that Major League Baseball could have a, an expanded roster. So I'm sure me and about. 50 other guys in the Rangers organization are trying to fight for some of those little spots. And so, you know, it's hard to play catch with somebody because you're touching a baseball and you're throwing it and we're supposed to be away, you know, getting away from germs. So I set up a tarp in my garage and I just throw to it. And uh, his name is Tarpy. (laughs) Tarpy Mick Garagerson. He's he's pretty cool. Um, I'm sick of him though. Uh, I just, he doesn't even throw it back. He just rolls it on the ground. Well, like over the years, was that ever a, a normal thing? Just throwing by yourself, or has it always been with with a catcher? What's that setup? Just when you've been on your own? Well, in the off season, two thousand seven, we decided to live in Nashville. After the season, I played in Nashville. We didn't know anybody. Had no friends. Stayed in an apartment complex. Anyway, when I was when it was time for me to start throwing, I didn't have anywhere to throw. So I went out to like the, the tennis court because it was oh. like a nasty tennis court. Nobody was ever on it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I had one baseball and I just, I just threw the baseball into the fence and then it would roll back and I would field it. And then I would throw it into the fence and then it'd roll back and I'd field it. And I'd do that <laughs> all day, you know, like as long as I felt like I was getting a workout in. And then when I got to spring training, suddenly my velocity was even higher. Oh. So I don't know. I'm trying that again with Tarpy. See if I can come back door a little harder. Uh, but yeah, you, I think as a, a baseball player, you got to get creative. You know, yeah. if you're a basketball player, you can practice dribbling. You can shoot, you know, if you have a goal. Uh, baseball is such a team sport that it's hard to get much done by yourself. No, it may, makes sense. So yeah, you guys have been in a tough spot. And it, what's funny too, even in hearing about NBA guys, it's like they, they don't have a gym to go to and it's like they can't practice. Like that, I've heard guys, oh, I haven't even picked up a, a ball. And I'm thinking... Like like you said, you can still dribble and work on a lot of stuff. So it's kind of. If a I was week. in the NBA, man. I'd have I'd have a goal. Yes, <laughs> you know, I would have access to my own goal. You're in the NBA. Why wouldn't you? And I would have a goal in my house if I was in the NBA, making NBA mm-hmm. money. So my house would be in a gym. That's <laughs> <laughs> why not? That's it. I'm, I'm with you exactly. <laughs> well, well. So all right. So you mentioned you uh you you decided to kind of settle into Nashville. So what was that that process like? How did you d- decide on that? My wife and I are both from Mississippi, so we're not far away from like parents and grandparents and cousins and aunts and uncles and and some other people that we know. Friends, yeah, that's the word. Uh, <laughs> but we didn't know anybody in Nashville, so it was it was a leap of faith on that. But we had only been married a couple years, and we had always had roommates. Hmm. Um, the roommate we actually had in two thousand seven was. Uh, Calix Crab, he's the assistant hitting coach with the Texas Rangers. So he's still mad that uh, my little dog chewed up his phone case. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, man, let it go. We just wanted to get out on our own, like get out to a place that we didn't know anybody. And, and that's 
kind of what Nashville's become. You know, you don't meet anybody that's from the area. You meet mm. people from all over the country. And uh, what's interesting is about that is since people don't have that many roots, that they're really looking to make friends. That's what I found. People are really looking to establish some connection. And uh, that's what that's what happened to us. Ah, uh, how cool is that? So we've got family in Nashville, so we, we at least try to get there once a year. So we we love it there, just the whole atmosphere and the people and uh, it, the food and the the atmosphere, all of it is great. Yeah. Where now, are you, where are you based out of? Where are you at right now? I'm in Charlotte. Charlotte. So yeah, North Carolina. Wait, is it South Carolina? No, no North. Yeah, we're North. <laughs> actually, no. Technically, my office is actually in South Carolina, but I'm a Charlotte guy. So that's it's, weird. It's yeah. just over the border. Yeah. So we're we're yeah, very got to have a passport or something. <laughs> I will say, because I grew up in in North Carolina, uh, there is a difference between people in South and and North Carolina. It's a slight difference, but it's evident. Taller or something? <laughs> well, no, it's funny. People people in South Carolina, they're a little more Southern. Like Charlotte is a little bit where kind of like you're saying with Nashville. People come from all over. Like my parents, yeah. one is from Pennsylvania, one's from New York. So, and I grew up in Charlotte, so I'm a little bit of a mix of everything. Whereas South Carolina, those are South Carolina people. They grew up, their parents, their grandparents, they're all there. So, Gotcha. Yeah, that's kind of like Mississippi. Mississippi, if you don't get out, you get trapped and you're stuck there for life. So that was our escape. <laughs> so you landed in, in Nashville. So when normal life is going on, whatever normal looks like, but what, what yeah. are some of the aspects of Nashville that you, you enjoy or some of the cool cool spots? Or yeah, you, I, don't, like? I don't know. Um, I like, we, we actually go to the symphony. Oh, uh, quite a bit. We, wow. uh, I know that's weird. <laughs> you know, the beard like this, you think I'd be chopping down trees. Um, <laughs> we'll go to the symphony, but like there's concerts all the time and, uh, it's really easy to get everywhere. Like as long as you're not on the highway during like a high traffic time, yep. I mean, you can get places pretty quick. Uh, but we kind of live out in the country and it takes us about 20 minutes to get downtown. So, uh, that, that's, you know, that's doable, right? Oh, yeah. That's a commute. It's not a big deal. We go down, we'll see where we saw Jack white a few oh. times. Um, I saw Star Wars in concert. That was awesome. Wow. That is <laughs> uh, awesome. Just things like that. Like there's always something going on, which is which is really cool cuz that's what we wanted. We're both from small towns and we wanted to, you know, kind of have the small town experience but have access to like the really cool stuff. So there's a lot going on. Went to a football game last year. It was incredible. The Titans. Oh yeah. The Titans, yeah. Derrick Henry ran like for like six touchdowns or something. It was huge, ridiculous. It was like his best game of the year. Huge season. Yeah, no, the Titans uh they're, they're, they made a nice turnaround last year. It was somewhat surprising. Let, let's talk about your baseball journey. And, and you've had a, a nice long career. And, and the, the journey of a, a player in baseball is always fascinating to me because the minor league system is so crucial. And, and guys you know, spend years in, in minor leagues, and then they make it to the big leagues. They sometimes stay, go back. So you've experienced a, a little bit. And, and so let, let's go kind of to the beginning when you first entered into pro ball, into minor leagues. What do you remember from kind of the initial experience? Uh, I mean, this would have been my 18th season. So Wow, it's a long time. So, I, I mean, that's a long question to answer. Yeah, that's a big one. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, just to put it in perspective, I was 19 when I signed. I w- went to a junior college in Mississippi. Yeah, I, I got on a really small plane in Tupelo, Mississippi. And before we t- could take off, they made me move because mm. I was kind of a, a bigger guy uh, for weight distribution. Flew to Memphis, almost missed my flight. Flew to Phoenix because I was going to extended spring training. And uh, I don't know, I had phone cards to call my parents because I didn't have a cell phone because they weren't really around. Like, I don't know, it was 2003. Not everybody just had a cell phone lying around. So nah. but I, I eventually got one. My wife 
uh, showed me how to get a cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the, but I've evolved. You That's know, right. I, but, but yeah, my baseball career, I, in, in, I think people have these ideas and these expectations of what, what they want out of life, like whatever their goal is. Hmm. And uh, mine was 10 years in the big leagues. Oh. So if you see a minor league baseball player, if you even see a big league baseball player, pretty much everyone's goal in baseball is to get 10 years in the show. Hmm. Um, I need about nine more years. So I'll be about, <laughs> you know, if I'm, if I'm going to get 10 years in the show, I got, I got nine more years to get. I'm going to be like 47. <laughs> <laughs> when I get there, but I'll throw a knuckleballer, maybe. Uh, that'll, that'll keep you around. But yeah, I I mean, longevity, you know, like just playing a game, uh, learning how to train, learning how to take care of yourself, um, but just managing the expectations of what could happen and what should happen. Uh, mm-hmm. I think a lot of guys get stuck into a should. I should be called up. Uh, mm-hmm. They should be playing me more. They should do this. And I kind of go with the coulds. Like, man, I could get called up this year man, I could go out there and I could start the first inning. You know, I'm, I may not be active today or I could throw the ninth or I could have to catch in this game or I could have to pinch hit. So all these things have happened. So I just operate in coulds. You know, it's a more, for me, it's more of a positive thing rather than stomping the feet, going around, going, oh, I should do this. So that's kind of how I operate. I'm not sure if that answered your question or not. No, that's great. Yeah, no, I I, I just, uh, no, that's, a, that's an encouraging thought to think about, a, a could instead of should. And uh, what a what a great mindset to have, and and I think too, you know, you've been around a lot of these players in in minor leagues, and at some point, guys decide, all right, I'm I'm done. I'm not going to keep playing. Sometimes teams tell them that they're done, but but guys make that decision. So for you to say, hey, I want to keep playing, I want to keep going. What continues to drive you, and and continue to you know give you the 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 patience and that that mindset to say, man, eh, this could be the year, this could be the game, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean it's money. Okay, uh, is the pri- <laughs> it's the primary. Now I actually just don't have any other skills. I mean I feel like I could do stuff, and I used to stress about it. You know, like about I don't know eight years ago, I couldn't find a job, and I was freaking out, and um, had to go play in Mexico for a while. Oh wow, that was fun. And so I've had an interesting journey. So every off season is the same thing. Like, can I find a job? You know, what am I going to do next, and all this. So anyway, I've gotten better at handling it to the point where I'm not even worried about it. I, I know that sounds, I don't want to sound arrogant or foolish in the mm-hmm. same yeah. breath, but yeah. I'm not, I'm not really worried about it because I can't change it, you mm-hmm. know, but I try it all sorts of different stuff. I started a podcast, you know, yeah. I've, uh, I do stuff on social media. I've done some, some TV stuff. Mm-hmm. I've done some radio stuff. I, I do, you know, videos, editing, directing yep. type things. I, I don't know. I just, I, I don't say no to anything. I, I try to get after it, try to, you know, harness some sort of skill because I don't know what's next. I meet a lot of people. I'm asking them for jobs. I'm trying to pursue this. And then pretty much everything fails. And somehow I get a baseball job. And that's been <laughs> that's been the, the record on the turntable for like the last eight years. Wow. So I'm just like, ah, maybe I'm supposed to be playing baseball. And so when you know where you're supposed to be, hmm. it's, a, it's, it's fun. It hmm. gets really fun. I've had more fun playing baseball the last, I don't know, five or six years than I ever have. Uh, and it's due to the fact that I'm not trying to be somewhere that I'm not supposed to be because that makes you look too far in the future, makes you look too far in the past and it takes away from what you're doing in the moment. So I'm a big moment guy. I like to enjoy where I'm at. That, that, that's awesome. I want to ask you more about that, but uh, I was curious being one of the now older players in, in baseball, how different (laughs) is that versus being that young up and coming guy 
trying to to make it. Yeah, just the the relationships with other guys. What's that like now? Is kind of the the leader, the veteran, that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I mean, I learned from some of the older guys. Ra Dickey was uh, really helped me in 2007. He was you know well older than me. He thought his career was almost over, and he goes on to win Cy Young Award five years after that, and played another seven years, six years after that. So, you know that that's how this game is passed down, and and you learn from your teammates more than the coaches. I, mm. I've always thought that. So now that I'm on the other spectrum where I'm this old grizzled guy that when I walk to the fields, like people come up and give me money. <laughs> um, you know, I have some self-awareness. I have, I do realize that maybe I'm not the most successful pitcher that's ever pitched, but I have played a long time. And so I do have something to offer. And that's kind of my selling point to teams to try to get a job. I can say, Hey, you can go hire some other older guy. That's just going to worry about himself mm. and, you know, not care about the guy next to him. But that's part of who I am in general. That's kind of how I talk to the GMs to try to get a job. And I keep getting a job. And so when I'm sitting next to these guys and they're going through something that I've gone through, um, maybe I can inflict some wisdom on them to maybe save, you know, maybe save them a bad year or a bad yeah. month or a bad week uh, just to put things in perspective and to, and to just be there. Because mm -hmm. sometimes you don't want to, you know, take it home to your wife and complain to her and you don't want to call your dad all the time and you can't complain to a coach. I'm a trust tree. I'm mm -hmm. like, hey, you know, talk to me. I'm going to show you grace. I'm not going to try to judge you. Like, mm -hmm. what's going on? Baseball's hard. Let's do this together. And because I'm actually still doing it, they know that I can understand. And mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. It's a really cool dynamic. Gosh, that's awesome. And well, multiple things that I'm, I'm hearing you, you say and, you know, the idea of thinking about others besides looking inward all the time and being present and embracing the moment. Uh, let's talk about kind of your faith journey and, and how your relationship with Jesus ends up giving you that uh, ability, that, that mindset to uh, kind of what you've been saying, live in the moment, serve other people. So let's, uh, let, let's kind of maybe go back to growing up. What was your, your, your faith like? And at what point did it become very real for you to where it did affect who you were and, and how you lived your life. Yeah, I, I mean, I grew up in a Christian household and my dad uh, was a baseball coach. So we traveled all over the place. Um, we had different churches that we'd end up going to or I'd have, you know, I'd sit in on chapel, baseball chapel. But for me, I, I don't really know the time. I don't know the when, uh, but I know the who. Mm. And, you know, you, when it happens, you know, it's real. And I, I think as a kid growing up and my mom calls me all the time and, and apologize because she thinks that some of the churches that we went to were too legalistic, you mm -hmm. know, worried about, you know, your salvation's contingent on how you act. And, uh, and I never really got that. I don't know these big words. So I was just like, Oh, don't worry about it, mom. <laughs> nice. But I think for a long time I did, I did have this weight and this burden that was on me of going, Oh no, do I, can I lose my salvation or mm -hmm. can I, is God mad at me all the time? And you kind of live this life of walking around on eggshells. And when life's pretty good, then you're just looking at other people going, nah, you know, they're having problems. Like they're going through this. They're not, they're not living like they should because mm. I am right now because things are kind of good. Mm. And you kind of fall into that little karma somehow, mm. you know, and it kind of gets glazed over with everything. You know, you go to church and you wear a suit and you look nice and you oh yeah, his life's doing really well. Look at him. And you don't, you don't really divulge how you really feel. And I've come to this point where it's not about me. It's, it's, I can't do any, I can't save myself mm. and I I'm a sinner. And so the only person that can save me is Christ. And he did. And so 
he can't love me any more or any less. God the Father can't love me any more or any less than he does right now. Mm. So there's no more eggshells. There's no more burden. It's transparency. It's freedom. It's mm. grace. Um, because of the grace he showed me, I'm allowed to you know, share that grace with everybody else. And what that does is, is, is really freed me up. I used to be worried all the time. I was worried about everything. Wow. There was wor- I was worried about stuff that I didn't even know I should be worried about. I'm like, there's something out there I'm supposed to be worrying about, but I don't remember what it was. Oh, <laughs> you man. Know? Yeah. And yeah, now I'm at this point where I'm just like, I don't even care. I don't even like myself that much. <laughs> A beard and hair. I mean, I'm built for quarantine, right? Oh, that's um, right. But but it's about everybody else. It's about the people that you're with. And I, that's what the cross does. It doesn't mm. point inward. It points outward. It's about everyone else. And when you, what I, what I realize is me and probably most humans are really good at, at me. We can insert mm. ourselves into everything. Mm. And that's what I used to do. I'd be like, all right, God, you and I, we got this, right? Like, you're all powerful, but you need me. I'm important, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so I don't know where that comes from. Wow. Uh, but it seems like a byproduct of certain teachings. And I don't know, for some reason, I thought I was really important. I'm like, all right, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to wait around and try to fulfill my purpose. Cause God's got this great purpose and maybe he does maybe, you know, I, but Hey, I just, that's not for me to figure out. It's not for me to decide what I'm going to do is live the next five minutes, the best I can with the people that I'm with mm. and love them and show them grace because that's what Christ has done for me. Amen. Gosh, that that's powerful stuff. And I actually earlier this week in response, I write a devotional every day in response to the the latest episode of The Last Dance with Jordan and how his teammates feared him and they were always walking on eggshells because they didn't want to get ridiculed by him and and it made me think about how exactly what you're talking about people do walk around on eggshells oh God's gonna zap me or whatever he's gonna give me a disease or something you know whatever it may be whatever someone's mentality may be. And we're missing out on on the love and the grace uh, that that you were just describing. So I'm right there with you. It's been on, it's been on my mind lately, and cool to hear your story. And and even you kind of said it jokingly, but but saying, oh, I don't even like myself. And, and that that comment, I just want to unpack that a little bit more. It's not coming from a place of insecurity. It's coming from a place of being at the end of yourself. And so I don't know if you want to maybe uh, talk a little yeah. bit more about that because I think it's so important that we do get to the end of ourselves. And it's a hard, it's hard to do. Cause like you say, we're also, you know, me focused. That's, that's pride. Yeah. Um, I, I used to think, you know, oh yeah, you gotta have pride and you gotta do that. I can't figure out anything pride's good for. I, <laughs> I they need to change the expression, have pride in what you're doing. Yeah. I don't know if that's even, I can't cause I, every, every relationship that if you apply pride to it, it never goes well. No. So I wouldn't even, I mean, I don't know if I'd call myself humble or not. I just don't have any pride left. You know, maybe I can think baseball for that maybe because like, <laughs> when you've just been beaten down so many times and you've failed so many times. Um, it doesn't mean you don't try. It just means that, I don't know, you, you just, you just keep going. It's not about, you know, I, I it's hard, it, it's hard to live in a, in a, in a world where there's, you know, success and failure. Um, and, and they try to distinguish those as much as possible. Uh, but, I mean, you have to redefine what success is for you. Mm. And if I'm measuring success on how much money I make or how popular I am or how famous, man, you're going to feel like a failure all the time. You're going to be down on yourself and you're going to be like, oh, because you have these expectations. But for me, I'm like, I don't know what my journey is. You know, the Lord knows, but I don't have to know. Mm. And you try to figure that out. You you, you can't. (laughs) 
Yeah. So I got too many other things to worry about than, you know, what's coming next. But I don't know. I, I, it's, it's a it's fun place to live because I don't know. I, when I walk into a room, I want to be the freest guy in the room. Ah. You're right. The guy that has nothing to hide. The guy that's the most transparent. Um, I don't know, because because that's the people I'm attracted to. The people mm -hmm. I want to be around are the people I don't have to walk on eggshells around. The that's people right. that are just like, hey, people that I have found that are the most like me are the ones that just can't take it with the pride. They're done with the pride. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can't figure out one thing anything. that's good for. So, yeah. What a free. Yeah. What a free mentality. So, man, that's that's so encouraging to hear. And I uh, appreciate you uh, you sharing about that. Um, so that, gosh, we could talk all day. Um, but I want to make sure that we, uh, we discuss your, your podcast and it's the inner monologue of dim Tillard and it's hilarious. And you had an episode recently doing your mama jokes. Uh, so, um, so tell us, tell us uh, just about your approach to the, the podcast. When it comes to the inner monologue of dim Tillard, it's something I've been wanting to do. <laughs> Yeah, but I just didn't have time. And so I got stuck in quarantine and I was I didn't want to fix the closet thing anymore. And I was going to write a blog. And my wife was like, no one does a blog. You should do a podcast. And I was like, oh, yeah, nobody has a podcast. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah, I just I don't know. Somebody reached out to me on Twitter and was like, um, how do you come up with this stuff? How long did it take you? How much did and the other night? The Yo Mama joke one like that. I mean, that took like 30 minutes. And then I, I just push, put it into like a, you know, an editing thing. Yeah. Like that was it. Like, all you gotta do is just put stuff together. It's all, uh, it's in segments, you know, which helps me. Cause all I have to do is do so many segments and I put them together and it's like 40 minutes. I'm like, well, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it'll lead to something. You never know. I like it. No, that's awesome. Let's not downplay how, how hard podcasts are. We can't, don't, don't divulge that to the listeners. It's, this is very difficult oh, stuff yeah, right yeah. here. <laughs> no. It takes fourteen people. That's right. To put this <laughs> no, it, the technology has made it much simpler because I I'm a former radio guy and it was a, a lot more complicated uh, years ago. So it's cool. Yeah, that's no, podcast. That's awesome. like the videos I make. The videos I make on social media. I remember as a kid, I used to love making videos with my brothers. We'd make these tapes for my grandparents for Christmas, and we'd do little sketches like Saturday Night Live or something. And uh, we had the big giant camera that was you know had the vhs tapes it's tethered to the vcr <laughs> so, so you know the the tripod weighs like 80 pounds and uh, that's what we had oh, you know yeah. and now you have it all on your phone i got my phone right here like you could do anything with that and so that's what i've done i just start making these videos they're really fun and and they are hilarious so i encourage people to check out uh on twitter dim tillard uh, and so you can see tim dillard on there and so uh yeah some of the videos basically you you voice them and and kind of recreate them in your own world major yeah, major scenes from, yeah take a clip from like commercial or a song or a movie tv it's all copyright infringement <laughs> <laughs> and then i just add the uh whatever the concept is the acting part of it i did one the other day in my garage i got done throwing and i decided to do a castaway Oh, with nice. a baseball instead of a volleyball. So that was really fun. That's awesome. I, I'll have to check that one out. I like the uh, Liar Liar, uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, which is one of my, my all-time favorites. Mrs. Doubtfire is right up there. So that was cool. That was a good one. Yeah, that, I had Mrs. Doubtfire in VHS. Yeah, me too. I love that movie. It's so good. It's, it's so, so good. good. It's Robin Williams just – it's like they just let him kind of do whatever he wanted. Oh, and I thought it was awesome. It's fantastic. <laughs> and, and really, the heart of it is a loving father. 
that wants sure. to be with his kids. So like that's yep. the underlying message, and then it's just hilarious, and he's as talented as they come. So I wonder if that spawned people like, you know, in certain situations like that, they're like, Dad, how come? Yeah. How come you're not pretending to be a maid and coming over to the house? You know, do you not love me? You don't yeah. love me. Good point. That's, I had it's the same of it. concept when I saw uh, Spider-Man for the first time. I was with my brother. My brother leaned over and goes, I wonder if spider bites are going to skyrocket oh, across right. the world. Let's see what this spider can like, do I'm gonna for me. I'm going to be Spider-Man. I'm going to go get bit by a spider. Oh, that's funny. That's good stuff. Well, Tim, man, it, great to connect with you. Uh, keep up the great work with the videos, and uh, we'll see – What's in store baseball-wise? A lot of uncertainty, but, but appreciate your perspective on being in the moment and not, not worrying. So thanks for being an encouragement to me and, and to our listeners today. No, that's awesome. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. There's Tim Dillard joining us here on Unpacking It. Intriguing guests and inspiring conversations. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. And we're back in studio. What a unique and interesting guy, Tim Dillard. How cool is he? I mean, just uh, I love his approach to life, and I appreciate guys that can be funny and have a good sense of humor. They're fun to be around. And so in just a moment, we're going to share some bonus content that took place after the interview. Uh, Tim and I just kind of you know kept talking and, and had a lot to, to share with each other, and, and so... In, in some ways, it's it's off-air content, but we just kept kept rolling and, and kept recording. And so wanted to share some of that with you today. And, and just a couple quick thoughts as we wrap up kind of part one. I just really appreciate what he said about pride and being free and authentic and transparent and the idea that he's attracted to people who are done with the pride because that's how he wants to be. That's how he wants to live. And I think it's a beautiful way to live. It's a wonderful way to live. And I still struggle with the approval of people. And, and so just to, to be transparent with you, there's something just about wanting yeah, acceptance or wanting to be liked. And, and, and when you get caught up in that, when I get caught up in that, it, it can prevent you from being truly uh, just transparent. And you feel like, yeah, I think he used the words, you know, you have to walk on eggshells. So you're always worried about, oh, if, that, if I say this wrong or how will this come across? And you, you start to question everything you're about to say or, or how you interact with people or, oh, should I have said that to that person? And there's a certain level that we want to be aware of, of how we come across to people and we want to represent Christ and all we do and, and who we are and represent this, you know, a, a character that is, you know, genuine character, not a character in the, uh, the sense of a movie character that we put on masks and we're fake and we're acting, but when we have true character, true, you know, biblical character, wanting to be Christ-like, that we live that way in all we do, but we also live with this level of grace that we, we don't always get caught up in trying to be perfect and and really prideful, and, ooh, I'm going to be good enough, and I'm going to be this, I'm going to always say the right thing, and I'm always going to do the right thing, and, and I'm going to try, I'm going to try, I'm going to try, and then we do that, and we get worn out, and, and, and 
some people may not they may be turned off by that or or they're longing to see the you know the the, the true authenticity the true transparency and uh they desire to be around people who are free and so if we all just kind of agree yeah let's just live authentic lives let's be free Jesus died for us we have his grace and love we have his power in us let's just live from that place and then you walk in the room and you just have fun and we enjoy life we enjoy each other we can laugh at things we can laugh at ourselves not taking ourselves too seriously and 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 ultimately not being caught up in our own pride that's that's the key so uh, I'd love to know your thoughts on this. This is a, another great topic that a guest, you know, brought up. And 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 again, I always love kind of recapping what was shared in the interview, how I relate to it, but also hope that you find, you know, some level of encouragement. But also, how do you relate to the topic? And so today, talking about authenticity, transparency, being free, and and living really from a place of grace. So where do you come out on that? Uh, send me an email, Bryce at unpackingit.com. But let's continue the conversation with Tim, and I think you'll enjoy the bonus content with Tim Dillard. That was great. What a cool name, Unpacking It. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. You we, say it with such pat, like, Unpacking It. We're Unpacking like, It. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's I can't do that with my podcast. The inner monologue of Tim Dillard. Yeah. No, it's, it's, kinda, it's not good. the same ring. No, it's, not, it's, it's got a good good sound to it it's all right that's cool well man well yeah that was fun gosh we'll have to uh do it again and we can talk more movies because i love movies so man yeah if i'm ever in uh one of the carolinas that's right that's right either one i've never made it have you do you go to the is it charlotte knights right that's yeah triple a with yep. somebody uh, yeah, the white I, Sox. i've never played in the uh international league i've only played in the pacific coast league oh interesting so you never would play those oh okay yeah it is kind of always the same teams. That makes sense. That that come yeah, to town. Well, I mean, I've only been with the the Brewers and the uh, Rangers in affiliated ball. Yeah, yeah. And uh, both of them been in the PCL. So I don't know. One day, yeah. One day, maybe my maybe, maybe the next fourteen years, I'll be in the IL. There you go. We actually have an awesome stadium in downtown Charlotte. It's really nice. I've heard that. I've heard that. Who's the Who's the team that's in there now? Uh, White Sox. White Sox. Yeah. All right. Well, if I get with the White Sox, I'm gonna need a place to live if I'm there. There you go. Well, let me know. We'll find we'll find a spot for you. So nice. Yeah, man. It's, <laughs> I've it's... done that before. I lived in a family's basement in um, Monument, uh, Colorado. I was playing with the Colorado Springs Sky Sox, so oh. I drive like 30 minutes to live in this basement w- with this family. They wow. were cool though. They they were like, yeah, we don't care. We have this basement we don't use. So that you didn't know the family. Uh, I didn't until let's see the I I stayed there for parts of four years, um, and the Edwards family they're really nice they um uh, they went to our church hmm. before we went to our church when uh when I got I don't know when I started gonna play for the Sky Sox somebody said hey I have a friend out there let's get in touch with them and so it was that easy they were like yeah come live with us I was like all right <laughs> gosh that's cool that's a good story. Well, I mean, you don't play this long in the minor leagues without getting help. You know, yeah, I yeah, and not like well, I mean, all kinds of help, <laughs> physical, yeah. mental. Oh yeah, it's all part of it. Uh, but but I've stayed. I've had lots of host families in the in the past, all over the place. It's kind of weird how all that works, but it, it's not a one man show. Even people that are in the big leagues, there's just a whole team of support that they've had. You know, their whole lives. 
in, in, in even when they're in the biggest successes, they still have it. So I know a lot of people are, say, yeah, yeah, I made it myself. No one, oh. no one's a yeah. self-made man. I don't like that phrase at all. It's because it's yeah. just not true. <laughs> it's, it's not true. It's never it's true, true ever. Yeah. So yeah, I'm with you on that. From a yeah, from a spiritual standpoint, one, but also just from a practical standpoint, it's never true. So yeah, I've had tons of people that have run alongside me to help me and. I think I think when you notice that and appreciate it, it's really easy to just kind of look for those moments. Yeah, you know, something will happen, and I'll I'll help somebody like during the season, whatever it is, and be like, oh well, how'd you know that that was going on? I'm like, well, you got to be looking for it. You yeah. know, if you're not looking for it, then you know. And some people have different gifts. You know, there's people that just have that ability, and I don't know. I think so many people have helped me that I just kind of head on a swivel. Hey. Can I help you? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and yeah, not everybody's willing to receive help either. And back to the pride. Oh, yeah. So I'm more like, hey, can I have that? That's it. I know. I'm probably, <laughs> I lean too much that way, too. It's, yeah. But, uh, no, that's cool. Where, where do you, when church is normally going on, where do you go to church in Nashville? Community Bible Church. Community it's, Bible uh, Church. Uh, we drive about 30 minutes to get there, 25 minutes. But it's good. I cool. mean, it's, I mean, it's non-denominational, which we didn't, when we start going there, we were like, red flags like yeah. what does that mean oh yeah uh but right away it was just people are like you know we're messed up you're messed up like let's do life together that's it's like awesome. okay so that's our family i love it and i think a lot of times people are afraid to preach grace because it's like okay well if you're preaching grace then if you preach too much then yeah. people are going to kind of go do whatever they want and yeah uh, paul's pretty clear that that's not the case but 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 I think what's great about it is is like you're probably the most version of yourself that you could possibly be. Because mm. uh, think about how you are. You know, you put up these walls. You know, you you walk into a, a business setting. You're like, okay, well, I'm going to be a businessman. You know, and and then it's like you're around your kids. You have the dad hat on, and then your wife walks in. You have the husband hat on, and I don't know. I I didn't want to act one way in the clubhouse and mm. then act another way at home. Yeah, like it was kind of the root. And I, I felt like for years I tried to figure that out. Mm. Like, how do, how do I be a consistent person and be the same person all the time? And what I found is that's tied to love and it's tied to grace from God. I, there's no way around it. And so when you see people putting up this facade of like, oh, yeah, it's, you feel bad for them because you know, number one, their life isn't all... <laughs> all roses no. you know no one's is it's no. hard for everybody i my mom she's like 65 ish now 66 i don't know but every once in a while she'll say something out of the woodwork of just like you know when things calm down um you know we're thinking about it's like when things calm down yeah like there's this plateau where like yeah. you've reached no it's not it's always chaos it's always <laughs> i mean that's just what life is it it's it's like when someone pulls out in front of you in a car I, I I told someone this the other day. Have some has anybody ever pulled out in front of you? Always, yeah, yeah, always. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't even in a car. And someone that's just right. did it. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's the that's the thing. Like, I I don't understand it. But we're always surprised when it happens. <laughs> oh come on! Has Are it happened kidding? before? Are you kidding yes. me? Have you done it to somebody? Yes. So why when it happens, it's like whoa. Yeah. It's because you expected them not to do that. So to me, it comes back to expectations. Like right. I expect people to stop at a stop sign, but I don't know. I still drive by going, I don't know if they're going to stop <laughs> just because, you know, I, if you put your full expectation in that, if you could do it with your kids, you'd be like, I expect you to lo love baseball. Yeah. I can't make my kids love baseball. They may like it or may not. I yeah. don't, that's not for me to decide. Well, I want to put that expectation on them. 
I'm not sure where I was going with any of that. No, that's great. No, I'm with you. I, I actually, I'm in a mentor group, and we, we were just reading a book called, uh, I think it's called The Cure. Have you ever heard of it? It's about grace. You were saying putting on different hats. They used the, the word mask, you know, putting on different masks. And, yeah. and, be, and, and actually, it's more, the way that it's written is kind of a, in story form, but it's a guy going into uh, the room of grace versus the room of good intentions. Um, but it was really, it was, a, it was an eye-opening... Like Pilgrim's Progress or something. Oh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um, <laughs> kind of like that. Yeah. So it was, it was a good, we had a good, uh, yeah, it was a good book to read. So Yeah, I just, I, I remember I used to do that. I used to be a different guy in the clubhouse, and then I would act a certain way, and that's just exhausting. Yeah. It's just exhausting. And when you're around other people that don't, you know, they're willing to show you grace, I mean, you can mess up in front of them, yeah. and they can, you know, you can ask for forgiveness and they can say, yeah, I forgive you. That's right. You know, and that's why, you know, apologizing to my kids, you know, asking my kids for forgiveness. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. that's huge. You Teaching them what grace is. We feel like there's this idea of what life should be. Hmm. I don't know where it comes from, hmm. uh, but people have this idea. I had this idea that it's supposed to be a certain way yeah. and it, well, I'm not going to be happy until it gets to that point. A very practical um, analogy would be the baseball player. The guys in the minor leagues are like, I hate this. I hate this minor leagues. But when I get to the big leagues, I'm going to love it. And that's oh, what I'm yeah. going to. It's like, man, if you can't love being where you're at, like, what if you never make it to the big leagues? Then that starts. Then you start having like, I don't know, regrets because you're like, well, maybe I should have done this. So, you know, questioning yourself or you're like self-worth. Well, oh, I'm not worth anything now. I didn't make it to the big leagues. And that carries over into relationships. It, I, there's a in baseball alone. The uh, divorce rate is between 70 and 80 percent. No. And I, I've been, I was told that for years. I did. I was like, I don't know. That seems really high, but over the years, it's pretty accurate, man. And that's hard. I mean, it's just, yeah, it is. It is because people have this idea and then they don't make it and they just blame it, you know, blame it on somebody else or the wife's just like, well, you're too consumed by it. All you do is talk baseball, Yeah, you know, and, and it just becomes this identity crisis that people have and they don't know how to function. So on a bigger scale, when it comes to life, it's like life's gonna, it, it is, it is hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I was surprised by this pandemic, but I'm like, eh, that's about right. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's right. No, you're exactly <laughs> I right. I knew it was coming. Yeah. I struck out the side, my last outing. Oh, did you really? Uh, you knew <laughs> I knew something. that was a bad sign. That never happens. We should, it's not yeah. pessimistic. I'm not being, I know, uh, I, I know sometimes I'll, I'll talk to somebody and, and they'll go, well, you know, that seems very pessimistic. Like you're very negative. It's like, no, not really. In, in another baseball analogy, if I'm on the mound and, and I give up a base hit to the outfield, I go and back up a base, right? Go back up third. Well, why would you back up third? Well, just in case the outfielder makes a bad throw. I'm not hoping he makes a bad no. throw, but I'm just preparing for maybe he makes a bad throw and I have to keep it from going in the stands. That's right. It's, am I questioning his ability or the third baseman's ability to catch the ball? No, but I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, which is preparation. So... Um, to me, instead of having the expectations of like, okay, well, I'm going to do this, uh, just prepare for, for what you're doing, you know, and, and let all that other stuff, uh, happen on its own. I, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want people putting expectations on me. <laughs> Somebody the other day was like, it's like, uh, yeah, man, it's like, it's like, uh, you're, you're such a role model for kids. <laughs> I was like, I would never tell my kids to <laughs> To find a baseball player as a role model, yeah. I wouldn't even tell my kids to have a role model. Yeah. I wouldn't even tell them to look at a biblical figure, hmm. you know, other than Christ yeah. to to have, you know, a role model. I mean, everyone's flawed. I don't even know what that means. It's almost putting an expectation. 
Yeah. It's like, oh, well, you're a role model. It's like, you're putting an expectation on me for no reason. That's right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't mind. I just feel really bad that you're telling your kid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's one thing to be an example. But yeah, to what extent are you looking to that person? For yeah, or is that just a phrase people say? The ultimate, know. yeah. Well, no, it's funny. I was I, My devotional today is about being cautiously optimistic. And um, I'm reading a book about prayer right now. It's called A Praying Life. This idea that we can become so cynical that then we're negative and miserable, or we can be so naive, uh, we have naive optimism where, oh, everything will be great. But the reality is we live in a broken world. It's fallen. Things are hard. Yeah. And like you were saying, things like this are going to happen. And we, so we can prepare for that. And like even when Jesus sent out his uh, disciples, he said, you know, be wary, but, um, but go in confidence type of thing. We go out and we, we have to be alert. We have to know what's going on. Like you said, you have to go behind the third baseman and make sure you know the ball doesn't get past them. But we also can be optimistic that, yeah, it's going to work out and ultimately God's, God's got it. But Yeah, I'm, so. I'm recklessly optimistic. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know why. My wife's like, why do you do that? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I, I just, I'm always optimistic. And uh, but, but it goes through the lens of Christ. You know, this is a broken world. Yep. Uh, so when something broken, when something sinful, when something evil and wrong, when it happens, why are we surprised by it? Yeah. Just having that mentality alone. I'll use my mom as an example again, cause she's always like, ah, oh, you know, like, woe is me. Like, ah, oh. but at the same turn, I talked to her the other day on mother's day. I'm glad she called me back. Uh, <laughs> she almost hung up on me, uh -oh. but she was talking about a church that somebody went to, not even her church, it was some other church. And in the middle of the preacher preaching, uh, a young person got up, probably, she says young person, could have been 30, but a young person got up, was wearing pajama pants, and walked to like the room off to the side where they were, had donuts and grabbed a donut. And she was just like, oh, can you believe that? And she was trying to say it as like, look what they did. And yeah. I'm going, why would you, why does that have any bearing on you whatsoever? Why does that bother you? And she's like, I don't know, it just bothers me. And I was like, do you think this person's sinning? And she's like, well, I don't know. I, I think it's disrespectful. And I'm like, she's like, would you teach your kids to do that? And I'm like, I don't know. I was like, here's what I love to do. I love to give the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Because I would really like to have the benefit of the doubt. Yep. Because it's just a great place to be when something happens and people are going to give you the benefit of the doubt yeah. just because you've been given the benefit of the doubt. I don't know. So I was like, let's give this person that. I was like, maybe they, maybe they're diabetic. Yeah. And they need you, <laughs> you never know. Some sugar. I don't know. Or maybe they didn't go to get donuts. Maybe they need to go to the restroom. I don't know. It has no bearing whatsoever. Like to sit there and think that you're doing something better than somebody else in and of itself to me is, is wrong. Yeah. Because if we're called to love people, you can't sit there. You can't sit there and look down on somebody and say, oh yeah, I'm better than that person. That You can't love them. I don't think you can love. You have to, you have to think you're lesser than somebody. Or at least know that every single human being is not outside the realm of God's grace. Mm. Like they're not outside yeah. of salvation. They're not. No. So why why does something like that even matter? I don't even know why that matters. And so she, she was like, well, I guess it doesn't. And I was like, I'll tell you what it is. It's decades of traditionalism. Yeah. <laughs> That's absolutely. even a word. I don't, well, whatever. Yeah. Like, you're just all those traditions. It matters what you wear to church. Does it? Or does the cross matter? You know, like, That's right. to me, we're splitting hairs on, for no reason. Like, I don't even mess around with that, Mom. Come on. God, She's like, I know. 
That's why I talk to you about this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Even you can teach your mom. That's good. Uh, I just, I just don't, I don't know. I'm, I, I think, uh, I didn't know this about myself, but I'm not a real big drama person. Mm. Like I love to act. I act in my videos, uh, oh, yeah. but I'm not big on the drama. And I, I didn't know that until I met my wife. Cause she was like the most least person I've ever met when it comes to drama. Hmm. And I mean, I knew within like, I mean, I knew within like a couple hours when I, when I met her that I was going to marry her. She knew it took about two years after we were married. No, but she, she, she felt it too. Cause it was just like, I don't know. I, I didn't know that that's what I was looking for till years later, but I was like, this, she has no drama. Mm. Like she doesn't even buy into it. She's just like, I don't have time for that. I, I'm not even going to waste my thought on something like that. It, and it just, it shows that ultimately that's what that is. You're just showing people grace mm. in such a way where it doesn't bother you. And it doesn't offend you. And I think I, I, my goal, if you have a goal, is to just find a place where you just can't be offended. Yeah. Because you get offended because you have pride. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, what, what's someone going to say or do that's going to offend me? So I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Tim Dillard. You can follow him at Dim Tillard. Switched up the letters there. <laughs> that's right. So uh, thanks for listening to the Unpacking It podcast. As we wrap things up, I always love to remind you that I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected, and through faith, I have been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well, and I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Check out the website, unpackingit.com. Have a great rest of your day, and we'll talk to you next time right here on the Unpacking It podcast. For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackinit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackinit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.